I'll be too nervous to. I'll probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost Words Betting Podcast. I'm joined as ever by Jason Daniels. Jason, hello. Good evening, Tom. And Bradley Todd. Brad, hello. Hey, Tom. How are we doing? Yeah, good. Good to have you back on this week. Uh, you, in in the silent corner, had a winner for us last week with Fitzpatrick. Wow. Um, nice to, for us to both put him up. Jason, you had Sung Jae and Cam Davis in tied seventh as well to give us some each way value there as well. So all around, uh, a good effort at the RBC Heritage. Very much so, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. It's one of those tournaments. I actually felt really, I, I felt more bullish from Shane Lowry than anybody. Uh, I think all three of us were on Shane Lowry last week and didn't mm-hmm. didn't quite pay out, um, plan out. Sorry, but um, I just felt really comfortable with the selections I'd made. Like a week later, I was I was surprised how many people played well after the Masters. I didn't expect um, Scheffler to be out there. I didn't expect Rahn to play quite as well as he did, um, despite the fact that he kind of went missing on the final day. But like I, I felt Spieth, like after he'd said about how. Uh, mentally broken he was basically uh, going into the week. The fact that he was defending and coming off the Masters uh, I thought was really impressive as well. So I think it does go to show what these kind of elevated events do do. Um, Brad, I'll ask you as as someone that was on Fitzpatrick as well, uh, were we a bit fortunate? I I believe so. I mean, I'd be very gutted if I was uh, on Spieth and uh, he didn't win last night because Obviously, he touched the front. Uh, Fitzpatrick had a really shaky front nine, wasn't playing very well. And, uh, yeah, then Spieth just uh, didn't really get it going up towards the final. He started giving it away. And then Fitz had back-to-back birdies. Had a chance to probably win it in regulation with a makeable birdie put on 17. But then when it came to the playoff, um, Spieth had a, hit a great putt. How it didn't drop, don't know. On the on second playoff, I also hit an absolute... Great shot in on the par three, 17th. Putt was also pretty decent, didn't drop. So, yeah, he had two good opportunities to win it there. Uh, but Fitz hung about. And honestly, when when Spieth uh, missed them two uh, putts to win it in the playoff, I thought, you know what, it's not his day. And uh, when Fitz hit that 9-9 in on the third playoff, oh, it was uh, yeah, worthy of winning any tournament. And, yeah, it's classy. He... he Stuck around. He looked composed. He looked calm, and yeah, I was, I was impressed with him. But he probably shouldn't have won. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things. Like, say fortunate, but like, he was he was pretty poor on the front nine. But like you say, kept it together, and then all of a sudden clutches up on 15, 16 to put himself in a chance. He actually goes favourite going into the final two holes, misses mm. the part on seventeen. So whilst I'm saying it's fortunate because Spieth. Uh, missed those couple of good putts in the first two playoff holes. Maybe fortunately he's even there because Fitzpatrick could have won in seventeen. So it's yeah, um, you know, and then Fitzpatrick also kind of went close on on eighteen in regulation as well. So it's it was probably swings and roundabouts really. I think backing up that huge round on Sunday uh, was pretty impressive. So overall pretty good. Jay, should we be worried about Jordan Spieth long term? No. No. No, he'll win the Masters next year, won't he? And then the year after, and then the year after. <laughs> the year after. Um, he, he, he's, he's a big thinker, isn't he? Uh, maybe he's thinking too much, maybe perhaps. 
Um, who knows? What, what do you want from him? Well, no, he's he's very consistent. But my point is, like, it's been what six years since he's beaten a, a really strong field, and this was meant to kind of ally those kind of woes. And I guess when you keep putting yourself in the mix and things just don't go your way, like we could be talking about a very different, we could be having a different conversation if his putt doesn't dip out, and then all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. So do you just focus on the, the whole body of work and just trust that it's going to come good in the next week or so, uh, next couple of months or so, I, I guess, is way to go. I guess the real telling point would be how he does in the PJ Championship as he goes after his, yeah. uh, you know, grand slam of his own. So that'd be interesting I mean, to see. Matt, Matt Cooper, a couple of years ago, said to, it might have been when he was on it, he said I, he prefers to concentrate on the more positive elements. Yeah. Which I, which I think actually is a really good way of, do, of thinking about it rather than, <laughs> my cynical view uh, on everybody um and if you look at it like that then i mean you, you can't knock what he's doing apart from the w or the w's that he should be having um you know i i first noticed at phoenix i think it was a couple of years ago when he was there with um xander yeah they both got beat by brooks kepka um because you can actually level that I, I know xander won a couple of times last year and he was very impressive last year but you know that that sort of accusation was levelled at him, for, or has been levelled at him for for a considerable period. Um, and it's it's whether you look at the positives and the fact, as you say, they're getting there and they're still beating the other 154. They're still beating John Rahm, Scotty Scheffler, etc. Um, and getting that just that little bit in front. Um, we discussed before the thing about uh, Sung Jim being um, very pedestrian when he's got a chance. And, and I think he's he's proving that. So I would be more worried about somebody like him justifying his top 25 in the world than Jordan Spieth, you know, not winning several tournaments over the next couple of years, including some big ones. Yeah, absolutely. And everything you can level at Spieth, you could have leveled at Cantley yesterday. He he went away, you know, when it mattered most. And I know he's obviously dealing with a lot of criticism at the moment, but probably rightly so, given the, the length of time he's been taken. 18 runner-up finishes on tour for Jordan Spieth since the start of 2013, mm. which is four more than any other player in that span. I'm actually more curious as to who the person is that's got 14 runner-up finishes since 2013, because mm. uh, I wouldn't be able to name them. So that would be an interesting stat to find out. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think, Brad, I think, I think to say we were fortunate is maybe doing bits a little bit of a disservice. Like, I think... The way yeah, he stepped so. up in the, um, you know, I, I spoke about Spieth's clutch shot on the second playoff hole and how that was an elite player's mindset. Fitzpatrick basically went blow for blow with him and they both missed their putts. Um, and then Fitzpatrick steps up and basically holds the the second shot on, on the fourth playoff hole. So, you know, you know, really intriguing. I think it was his, actually his best uh, strokes gain approach performance ever of his career as well, which is really positive considering what he'd been going through earlier in the season so all in all positive uh second week in a row with a winner uh not much to complain about except it now leads us on to what can only be described as a bit of a funky week um in golf betting an event one that i'm looking forward to but then really really difficult i guess to to really know and really be confident about anything i would say is the isps hander championship brad which we should have had last year got called off uh for covid reasons weren't allowing travelers into japan at the time yeah it's another nicholas course which is not a surprise because i think he's designed basically every single golf course on the dp world tour this season um 
as far as I can tell, it's pretty easy. We're going to be expecting quite low mm. scoring. Um, any, anything really to add, particularly about the course that you, you thought was eye-catching or anything that you've based your selections on? Uh, not particularly. I mean, it's a typical Japanese course. It's, it's tree-lined, pretty tight in places, but it's, it's virtually flat. The greens are large, like typical Nicholas design, um, but uh, there's nothing to them. Uh, they're not tricky. Um, and, yeah, it's going to be heavy rough in places, but it's mainly for the long hitters. Um, so, yeah, no, really, though, as you said, it's going to, the course is going to yield a lot of birdies. So I think looking at birdie or better average, uh, especially on the, the Japanese tour, uh, I think is something I looked at this week. Um, but, yeah, I've, I've been looking forward to this event for, for ages. Uh, I was absolutely gutted when it didn't go ahead last year. You know, it's a Japanese tour is highly competitive um, and yeah, it's a great opportunity for them to test themselves against the DP tour uh, regulars. And I do rate the chances of a Japanese winner quite highly this week. I think um, I think they, obviously they've got the, you know, the climate, the conditions, the type of course is typical to what they see in Japan. Um, a lot of them have played the golf course before, which, as we know, can only help. Um, they've also been playing um, the past couple of weeks on the Japanese tour, so that could only help as well. They might be a little bit sharper than the DP World Tour players who have uh, had nearly a, a month break, I think. So, yeah, and of course, the main motivation is to play well and potentially win a DP World Tour card, which is up for grabs if you, for the winner. Um, and maybe a top five or ten might get some invites down the line. So, yeah, there's a lot to play for, and I, I really do like the chance of a, a Japanese player winning this week yeah i think it's one of those ones where i was a little bit concerned about going so heavy on japanese players because i felt this strongly about it um at the south african event the first south african event we had this season went really heavy on south african players and then uh mm. i think there was only one inside the top 12 um but i don't think it's the same thing and it's very much because of what you said there that they've had this run out uh jason we're talking about players I mean, Brad said there about having a month off. The the market leader, Rasmus Hoygaard, hasn't played since the 5th of February. Um, I know he's a bit of an extreme case compared to the others, um, but it's, it's certainly strange the, the amount of time some of these players have had off. Uh, we don't know what they've been up to in, in their kind of spare time, and maybe some have been playing some minor tours and things like that, but uh, a 16-1 to favourite, four clear of the next, who hasn't played since February, so uh, it strikes me as a, a tough ask. Yeah, I agree. I, it's, it's, I think, sort of a headline my piece really. With, um, it's a fascinating tournament, but you know, not the easiest to unravel as, as most of them are. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, it's, it's fascinating. Like I say, I mean, Brad's got, you know, obviously the knowledge and experience of Japan, and it, it'd be interesting to see what he says. Um, I, I just think, and you know, I think the overall level of the European Tour players is better, but whether the best of the Japanese with as as you say a recent run out course experience etc can level that yeah it's it's it's, it's a fascinating event um mm. not one to go mad on um that's interesting we go with another nicholas course in korea next week as well so whether yeah. this is worth just keeping your eye on you know you, you can see those quiet fellas that finish 12th 15th 18th um just showing a little bit maybe not sharp on the greens or anything um just for clues for korea next week um We'll see. Be interesting. And then the week after that, you go to the Marco Simoni Club as well. Um, obviously, venue for the Ryder Cup. Um, so the next next three weeks are fascinating. 
um, it's whether they need to run it, isn't it? And we, we don't know. It's just as simple as that. We've no idea. Yeah. So uh, you know, do what you got to do. Yeah, I think so. I think it. I think it is one of those things. Jack Nicklaus will probably say it's the best golf course he's ever designed because every single time he talks about one of his golf courses, it's the best golf course he's ever designed. Um, and, and I fall for it every single time. So like this this golf course. Yeah, and stuff I read that quote as well. Yeah, so <laughs> it can't be, can it? It you can't know, be. Uh, sorry, it um, can't be to 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 you know have winners at twenty under, twenty four under. That's not mm. that's not a good golf course, is it? That's, no, apparently it's, it's a it's course very attractive the on the eye. That's about it. I Absolutely. Think. It looks it looks good and and people I don't know if this is the public can play this I've no idea I assume they can can they um, especially over there because they've all got loads of money um, and I presume that people can play it and it's great in that aspect and he's advertising it as uh, you know any of his peers would a golf ball at the beginning of the Masters <laughs> um, and, and you know he's he's got to make money and and you know it's it's twenty four under doth not equal a good golf course no I don't think so I think no. I think. I think I think like Brett says, aesthetically pleasing golf course. I think when we get to watch a little bit of the coverage, we'll we'll enjoy watching them hit it around there. But let's not think it's going to be yeah. uh, the Augusta Nationals of, of the world. Sorry, do you, do you actually think we get any of that at all as a viewer? Mm. Honestly, do we? Don't. I mean, Crans looks fantastic when they when they mm-hmm. you know do their long shots and stuff like that through the mountains. Do we actually on television see that it's a great golf course? Uh, Augusta, probably, I would say. Yeah, because of the height, because of the preview. Yeah, the and and you and you angles. and you get more detail on there. And no, Leopard Creek, it. Valderrama, maybe. They are when they close. Yes, when they close in, when they close on the wildlife, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah, yeah I, I, just, I, I agree with you. I think it, I think it's a lot of it is overplayed. Like, oh, we're going to watch this stunning golf course. It's like, well, actually, we're always seeing is a bloke with an eye in his hand, and it doesn't. He could be standing anywhere, couldn't he? So, yeah. um, there is a certain. Sorry, I'm, I'm I'm being cynical, but I mean, I just think let's let's not go over the top here. We we're not really bothered. We don't care unless we're going. I couldn't give a monkeys, right? I just care about mm-hmm. which bloke's going to hit. Also, if I was going, I'd. I'd only moan that I had to walk anyway. So all, all in all, it, it can't, I'm probably not the right target audience. But anyway, as as we're going on then to, to the market. So as we already mentioned, Rasmus Hoygaard is 16 to 1. Christian Bezuidenhout is 20 to 1. Robert McIntyre, 22 to 1. Lucas Abbott, 22 to 1. Jordan Smith, 25 to 1. And Rikoya Hashino, 25 to 1. Now, I've tried to say his name uh, his first name about five times. I can't. I keep getting it wrong. Um, and maybe by the end of the podcast, I'll be able to say it. But um, I guess a quick summary, Brad, of, of kind of the, that group of players. Um, mm-hmm. I think we all like one at the end there. But was there any yeah. thoughts towards Hoycarp as weeding out McIntyre, Herbert, or Smith? Yeah, as weeding out was uh, definitely appealed. I said that to you this morning, didn't I? But I did. I just felt like he was too short. Yeah. But he obviously finished the RBC Heritage very strongly with a 64. I think that's his lowest round in God knows how long. And um, yeah, I feel like this could be a good course for him. Um, you know, it's, uh, I think he can um, hit it straight, pretty straightforward course, not much to it, you know. And um, I just felt like though it is, it's a bit short. And I, as you said, Hoshino is the guy that we're all on this week. So, and he is the best value up the top of the market, in my opinion. Yeah, let's go into the Hoshino because I very quickly, I mean, I, I sometimes look at it on a Saturday, sometimes look at it on a Sunday, depending on, you know, what I get to. Uh, mm-hmm. I was having a good old flick for yesterday whilst watching the final round, watching Fitzpatrick finally get it done for us. And 
I just looked and very quickly you see he's had a first and a second on the golf course, 64.88 score, uh, scoring average over those two tournaments. Mm-hmm. Um, he was second last time out um, and he was a 54-hole leader as well. Six-time yep. winner in Japan since, since turning pro in 2017. And his last start on the DP World Tour, just to prove that he can do it over here, was sixth at the Raz Karma Championship. I don't think there's anybody that he'd be afraid of in this in this field. Like, I, I don't think this is a, it's not a DP World Tour event where you've got a Hatton, Fleetwood, Rory, Hovland, whatever. You've got Rasmus Hoygaard, who's completely undercooked, and a couple of other disappointing players, in in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, um, to me, Hoshino, I thought was excellent value at 20 i know he's only 25 to 1 but no, yeah, i suppose spoke to you i'd have taken him at 20s i think 2022 i would have still been on him so i was pretty adamant on him he's just the type of player that you think when you talk about people benefiting from getting the dp world tour card he is the type i think that will benefit from that yeah. purely because i think he's the one that's capable of, of parlaying it into a, into a good career i mean you never know. Somebody, we, we assume they want to play on the DP World Tour. Some of these might just want to stay on the Japanese Tour and, and make a living for themselves out there and maybe mm. attempt to get in the, the PGA Tour via the Zozo or, or whatever that way because I don't know that the DP World Tour is the allure that it probably once was. No, but either way, there's still both great opportunities, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, card either way. Um, but as you said, like I think as he's played on the DP World Tour, I think it only makes his case stronger. You know, having that experience, you know, mixing with these players, I think it's only going to motivate him to want it more this week. Um, obviously, that's speculation. But that's just my theory. Um, but yeah, again, first in birdie or better average last year on the Japanese Tour. I mean, I mean, as you said, he finished second and first. Um, his two appearances here, so yeah, it's just it's just a course for him, um, and yeah, it's just it's interesting. He took last week off as well uh, on the Japanese tour, which makes me feel like he's been possibly at the course or do you know gearing up, yeah. gearing up for this one. It makes could you could again another theory that this is uh, an important week for him. Yeah, um, absolutely. So yeah, that's uh, yeah, I'm all over him this week. Last six starts in Japan, first, second, eighth, eighth, seventh, second for Hoshino. Mm-hmm. So um, other than kind of like Semikawa, Kanaya and Chan Kim, um, he's basically the man in Japan. Um, that rhymed quite nicely. That wasn't even intentional. Mm-hmm. Um, Jace, anything to add on Hoshino? Uh, apart from he's, he's sounding like he's a flaming lip song for <laughs> um, indie, band, indie fans out there. Um, no, a lot. It's, it's, it's in your face, isn't it? It's It's extremely dull because we like to try and work out a puzzle but you know what do you want i mean as you say first and second round here i like this the the, the telling point for me was that six at res i yeah. thought i thought if he'd just done it abroad if he oh, sorry abroad, if he just done it at home if you like um in japan we could have sat there and gone what's it worth what's it worth etc um but that six in res you know just just a few weeks ago really um that was quite telling. And over there, he was 11th in Tita Green, 17th in approach. I mean, he's got 64 and 63 final rounds here. Um, it's it's very, very difficult to crab. He's good. You know, he's one of those that's so obvious he'll bomb out. Um, but, yeah, I agree. I mean, what, what, you know, what actually do you want? Um, it's in your face. It's uh, job done, isn't it, really? Um, very, very hard to see him not being able to, to challenge. I mean, class-wise... 26 at the US Open, 21 
and top 60 in the PGA in 2022. It, it reads perfectly right here. And you talk about the motivation stuff. I mean, that Hideki Matsuyama must have um, must have had a massive effect in winning the Masters. Must have had a huge mm-hmm. effect over there. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I say, you know, what do you want in life? It's um, it's in your face, mate. Go and get it. Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's one of those things that yes, okay. There's always the fear that it's so obvious it's going to you know flame out, but. If it does, it does. Like I'm not going to ignore it just based on the fact that you're just assuming it's going to go wrong. It's just, you know, pointless exactly. really. So um, all aboard the Hishino train, just like we did last week with Larry. He'll finish tied 61st or whatever the fuck he finished. Um, Jason, Antoine Rosner for you as well. Yeah, I think if you're going to put Hishino up over there, I'm quite happy to put Rosner up from this side, to be honest. Oh. Um, hold on, I'm about to crash. Oh, computer's about to go. Um, I just think it's the same thing. He's he's in cracking form. When we last saw him, sorry, he was in cracking form. He's now got over that part where you're only a one-time winner on, on the European Tour. You know, obviously he's won in Dubai, he's won in Mauritius, which is great. Um, led after the second round there and, and went on to win, which which I really like. Um, reversed his playoff loss. Back in two, not two, I can't remember who beat him in 2019, was it? Was, was it Rasmus? It was Rasmus, yeah. It was, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So he ties in really nicely with a favourite. I actually think I could put him next to him in the market, to be honest with you. Um, I like the fact that his, his play over here in the Olympics, I know it, he was 45th, but he was 12th and 15th after the first two rounds. Um, on the Olympic course, obviously far, far better field than he's got here. Um, and the, the only really correlation I've got, because I don't know enough about the Japanese tour, was look at the 2015, um, what was he called? Homer Tour World Cup. Yeah. Home? No, it's something like that. Where 2015 KH Lee beat three players, um, including Ashen Wu. Um, and obviously, we know KH Lee go, went on to win the Byron Nelson twice. Ashen Wu has been a regular. We know exactly what type of course that he wants. Um, and Rosner's got the Valderrama as a Portugal, Dubai Desert Classic, Crans form, which I liked. And, and of course, when he comes over to um, a lot of players struggled in Singapore and Thailand when it went over there. And he got a six and a fifth. So. Um, mm-hmm. Just one round in the seventies, in eight rounds over there, comes back third in South Africa last time. I, I'm finding it hard to knock somebody like him, apart from the fact that he hasn't raced for a month. Um, but apart from that, I think he's absolutely rock solid, and he bangs greens after greens, and and why not? Yeah, no, I agree with all that, and and for the very similar reasons, I'm going to go with Yannick Paul. Um, I know you said obviously he's in great form now and then sort of backtracked and said he was in great form a month ago and I do have to sort of say the same thing with Yannick Paul but the last time we saw him uh, going into the Asian swing he was 34th at the Singapore Classic second um, where was it his second he was in Thailand um, and then he followed up with a second again in India uh, where he you know probably should have won so the last sort of three things that we know about Yannick Paul 34th second second He's actually fourth, I believe, in the in the world points on the Ryder Cup standings. He's not going to get in on those because of the players that are going to be in front of him. But yeah. Brad, I don't really know what Yannick Paul would have to do to be closer know. to the top of the market. Like I don't, I don't really understand why he's not closer to purely just name value. I'd have thought that the likes of McIntyre and Herbert and Smith are ahead of him. 100%. And yeah, he, I remember when you mentioned him to me today, yeah, it's, a, it's a good shout. And he was on my shortlist because he, he is one that can go low. I mean, you can only, you only have to look when he won in Spain, um, the Mallorca Open. 
shot 64, 62, and he did close with a 72, but it's still enough to win. And when you can go low like that, this is the type of course he can, you know, go low, post a really low score. So I, I feel like Yannick Paul is a good option this week. Didn't get there myself, but I, I do like him. Yeah, I, th- I think it's what, this is going to be one of the ones for me that I think will really prove the gap, I guess, between DP World Tour and, and the Japanese Tour. Like if if McIntyre, Smith, Rosner and Paul finish all inside the top 12 and there's only one Japanese representative, then, you know, there is a bigger goal than I think there is. But um, I only want to take on these home players with the very best. I don't want to start taking them on with the... 110 to 151 DP World Tour players thinking that they've got mm-hmm. an edge just for you know for the sake of them being on a DP World Tour. I, I really do want to just pit. I don't want to call them elites because they're not elites, but the the best of the the DP World Tour that's remaining. Um, and and Yannick mm-hmm. Paul fits in that category for me. So that was where I went there. One player that's coming in in the market. There is still a, a lone 50 to one about him. Um, 45 to one typically. 40 to one. Kazuki Higa. Uh, another one, bit like um, Hashino, in the fact that we've got that kind of evidence that we need that he can play um, on the DP World Tour. 11th and 4th, his last two starts at that level. Uh, was he a six, seven time winner, Brad, since um, yeah. joining the, the Japan Tour? He's, well, he's 26, 27 years of age, 27 years of age, and he's got six wins since 2017 on the Japan Golf Tour. When I look at the kind of scouts. Yeah, the scouts that you look at, two against Hoshino, one against Mito Pereira, the last one at the Dunlop Phoenix. And what I really liked about him was first win was against in that Augusta Japanese event. I don't know why they called it Augusta. It's, I think, of course, it's meant to be similar to it. But um, 26 under par, five-stroke win over Hoshino. Uh, then another 20 under par win uh, two years later. Another 20 under par win uh, at the Shinan Donghai Open. And then a 21 under par win at Dunlop Phoenix beating Mito Pereira by three strokes. We know that he can go low here and we know that he can play well on DP World Tour as well. So it's a great recipe for success. Definitely. Yep. I like it. Any any other thoughts on Higa at all? No, just the fact that he's had a bit like Hishino, he's, well, even more so, he's mixed it with the DP World Tour players, you know, and we've seen it. He's, he's contended. I felt I was on him a couple of them weeks. I highly rate him. Um, and I think he was, when I looked earlier, 16th on the birdie or better average um, rankings from last year. Um, but as you said, he has his moments where he can go really low. He's had a couple of OK finishes at this course, some low rounds. Um, yeah, I think he's at a good price this week. Um, and I like him. I like him a yeah, lot. He, was, he was a 36-hole leader um, at this course last year and eventually mm-hmm. finished sixth. So... Just love everything about Higa. I think he's got enough competitive reps around his golf course yeah. uh, to really, really feel comfortable. You can disregard the two missed cuts because it's completely like different miss uh, experience for him. You know, playing over in the states and then the Masters on his debut. So, yeah, don't need to worry about them. No, not bothered at all. If anything, I think it's just helped his price just a little bit. Obviously, exactly. coming since, but the starting uh, price that he was at. Um, Brad, where was your next pick for us? Uh, it is. Kata Nakajima, who has come in a little bit at to 40 to 1. Yeah. I still like him at that price. So he's a former number one amateur, um, secured two top 10 finishes in his last two starts on the Japanese men's tour. Um, he hit the ball brilliantly last week, ranked out second in ball striking. He ranked out first in greens in regulation the week before. Um, he won on the Japanese tour while still being an amateur back in 2021. 
Um, he hasn't won since, um, but he's come close a couple of times. Um, he played at this course uh, for the first time last year. He didn't shoot worse than 68, with his lowest round being 64. And he finished fifth. Um, so, yeah, lots to like about that. And he's also been playing quite a few events on the PJ Tour. I think, obviously, he came... Everyone, when he started last year playing on the PJ Tour, everyone was, I think, at the Sony Open. He sort of caught... Yeah. He, he went well after two rounds, caught off a lot of attention. Um, but he's, he's had a few starts this year. I think he made one cut at the Sony Open and, uh, yeah, I think he's had three starts. So it's it's good. I mean, this can only help with his development, you know, this exposure and these, this um, playing at that level. Um uh, but what I liked was that he finished tied 12th at the Zozo Championship, which is very much a similar, well, even higher level event than what we're going to see this week. You know, with the PGA Tour players, it's sort of not co-sanctioned, but it's sort of similar to what we're going to see. And yeah, again, it's given the Japanese Tour players an opportunity to impress on the bigger stage. So the fact that he finished top Japanese player with Satsune, who's also in the field this week and you could also probably make a case for him as well um but yeah he's uh the fact that he's done that uh with uh in the field of pga tour players you know it, it gives me gives me hope that he can do it again and i mean all the talk and hype has shifted to tiger semakaya recently and rightly so like he's been unbelievable he's won three times since uh turning pro um again last week um, but Kata is still a potential superstar. So I, I think he still represents uh, great value this week. And yeah, I have to be on him. I think it's amazing the conveyor belt. I think it speaks probably to, to what Jason was saying about Hideki Matsuyama and, and, you know, maybe not necessarily just the Masters, but, you know, earlier in his career, really reaching these players because it's just a conveyor belt of just unbelievable talent. And, you know, you look at Hoshino as basically like a veteran. He's like 27 and got six wins already. Yeah. We're talking about like Nakajima was meant to be on this full swing documentary, didn't didn't materialise, but he was like the hot thing, like you said at the Sony Open last year. Tiger Semakawa comes in, and all of a sudden, I don't think Nakajima's been forgotten about, but certainly, you know, this everyone's it, yeah. kind of looking over their shoulder at the, at the next one, and it's it's almost like, well, who's next? Like well, it's I not exactly, yeah. man. I think Semakaya winning last week will only like motivate cater even more about right it's time to step it up maybe you know? yeah because well yeah, he's the, the talk now of the, the upcoming japanese golf i mean obviously kate and nakajima is still in the conversation but um but i think that's definitely helped his price um the fact that semikaya is now the talk i think with, i think with nakajima he had um maybe a bit more of a disrupted start to his career as well didn't he because he's you know, he was cunning over to the PJ Tour a little bit and maybe got involved in the kind of, um, you know, COVID issues and things like that when he first came out. Yeah, good point. Uh, so I, I think maybe there was just, you know, he played in three majors last year, didn't make a cut. He's only got that one win, um, Nakajima, and, and it was as an amateur. So mm-hmm. all of a sudden people are saying, oh, three wins by, you know, Semikara, and he's, he's a better prospect. But is we are very quick to... Not us in particular, but you know, as a as a golf, uh, I don't know what the word industry maybe I guess we are very quick just to look at the next thing and yeah, interesting to see how that maybe plays out. Both of them at the same price now, both in level playing fields. I do like uh, both of them, by the way, for this week. I don't know if yeah, Samakaya is a superstar. Um, I do. Um, and uh, yeah, you could make a great case for a lot of these players, and he's yeah, he's another one. 
Talk, talking of in, inspirations, Jace, will Adrian else be taking any inspiration from not only John Rahm at the Masters, but also uh, I think it was one of his teammates, Sam Bennett, as well. So similar college, I think. Um, maybe just kind of firing him onto a bigger week, or is it just a completely different case for you with Adrian else? Um, I, I have to every time I fancy Rosner, I have to look at an I've said this for years, mm. and, and vice versa. Um, yeah, I'm slowly going off him actually, to be honest with you. But I, I do think I do think there's some there's some place value in the 45. I just listening to to Brad and yourself talk about the home players, and then looking at results and stuff like that. I'm, I'm hmm. anyway. I think I now actually I'm going to be watching. I'm going to actually not going to back him this week now, but I am going to be watching him for next week. Um, I'm looking when he has a break. Yeah, and he seems to do okay. okay first time or miss cuts is okay first time and then improve the second time i mean even recently you can look i mean he's uh it's, it's in front of you on tour tips um 60th at ned bank week after ninth at um dp worlds missed the cut 30th in dubai desert classic which works for me fine six at raz which again uh we've already uh mentioned uh hashinu with that six at raz as well he then yeah. misses the cut goes 30th at kenya it's fine finishes with 65 second at the sdc which is jack nicholas course and then misses the cut at the Johnson. Now he's had a break, so I've got no idea where he's going to be. But his history suggests he might need the run. So I'm not going to put I'm not going to put him up this week. I'm actually not going to back him. Um, but I am watching really, really closely for next week at Korea, which may well suit him a bit better. So the yeah. ideal situation for you is Adrian else, you know, finishes 40th. His price goes out yeah. a little bit, and he yeah. shoots one good round to yeah. keep the faith. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a, there, I think there's, there's a pattern there. And um, yeah, I'm I'm going to save my three and a half pence each way for next week. Yeah, like it. Um, <laughs> talking talking of um, I don't know why talking of this player, it's someone I got carried away with uh, in the past, and it's probably going to happen again. Uh, but I've absolutely talked myself into Jazz Jenner Watson on uh, winning again. He last two starts. Um, on the DP World, the last start we saw him on the DP World Tour, he was 20th. Yeah, the last two starts, sorry, Divide is a classic 20th here, Indian Open 20th. Last three starts on the worldwide start, sixth, sixth, and fourth. He was a 54 hole leader in the international series in Thailand. He was a 36 hole leader last week in Vietnam, where he shot for second round 62. That was the second 62 he shot in recent weeks as well. Um, I think with Janet Watson on, is a classic case of a player that didn't quite you know, take advantage of the century shown. So in 2019, he was really, you know, at the peak of his powers. He he finished 14th in the PGA Championship. I actually think he was leading at one point during that. Um, won the Singapore Open over Paul Casey and Yoshinira Fujimoto. He's got seven Asian Tour wins, four of them coming in that 2019 season. Beat Thomas Dietrich as well by five strokes that year. He's got so much potential. I think he actually turned pro... Brad, you might be able to dispel this if it's wrong, but looking at my calculations, he was at the very most 16 when he turned pro, but I think he was actually 15 mm-hmm. uh, when yeah. he turned professional. Yeah, um, he was very young. I couldn't tell you either the exact age, but yeah, yeah. I knew he was around that age. He, he, was the, he was the youngest player ever to make the cut on the Asian tour at the time, 14 years old and 71 mm-hmm. days. Um, and, and I'm assuming he turned pro very quickly after that. But he turned professional in 2010, and he's now 27, so working the mass back that way. Just looking at it, he had that kind of win um, on the Asian tour recently in Morocco. So recently it was back in November. And that's kind of what made me go for him 
earlier on in the season. Abu Dhabi went first at the Morocco, sixth Indonesian Masters to end 2022. Didn't do anything there. He finished 50th in Abu Dhabi. But, you know, the form just continues, sixth, sixth, fourth. And some of these international series events are pretty decent fields because some of the live golfers dropped down and play them. Um, you know, in, in the field last week, Anaban Lahiri was playing, Kanaya was playing, Steve Luton keeps playing, he's playing very well at the time, Travis Smith, Andy Ogletree, uh, Raya Hitsasune, as you said earlier, like there's decent players playing in case he was 27th, just to give a bit of uh, context as to the level of field there was. So mm-hmm. I don't think his form can be ignored just because it's Asian tour form, etc. I know you do get slightly weaker fields in those especially with the people sort of taking weeks off and the majors and things like that but you can only go by what he's doing in recent weeks and for me Jenna Watson on coming back now to very comfortable surroundings he's a player we have no doubts about whether he can fit in on DP World Tour he's done it countless amounts of times 50 to 1 I'm uh, happy to go there mm-hmm. anything to add on Jenna Watson on Brandon I hear you sort of agreeing with a couple of bits there. yeah no because I f- you know, I was uh, umlinaring over mm. Jazz today. It was well, it was funnily enough, it was between him and Kanaya, mm. and uh, I didn't go with either of them. <laughs> that's that's um, what I do. I've, I've picked two. People yeah, I, I was crazy. I went just, yeah, and um, but yeah, I love I love both of them. Um, didn't didn't land on either, but yeah, Jazz, as you said, he was a, a superstar. I feel like he was as good as Tom Kim. You know, breaking through on the asian tour that's that's what the level i thought he was gonna he was gonna go to you know he was gonna go on to the pj tour um obviously it hasn't worked out that way but he's still a young young man and uh yeah he's, he's simply getting into a bit of form again on the asian tour which is where i think he can do the most damage and look this is in asia again he's got experience in japan um as you said he can go low he's been getting these rounds of 62 um which is his bread and butter he used to have them kind of rounds all the time um back on the asian tour and when he's firing so yeah i do think there's a lot to like about him at the price and uh yeah he he well, i hope he i hope he goes well but not too well <laughs> yeah no i understand that. if mine can't win i'll be cheering him on for you let's put it that way. absolutely yeah i think it's just one of those ones he didn't lead that pj championship by the way but because it was the year that kepka um absolutely tore away but he had the best round of the day uh, on the Saturday, shot 67 in a really like tough day for scoring. And just the fact that he was there, second place going into the final round of a major, uh, one where sort of Brooks Kepp was basically taking a victory lap. And then, OK, he's gone backwards on the final day, but not like dramatically, like not more so than, than kind of others. Um, I was really impressed to see him kind of finish in that 14th place position. So to me, there's there's everything to like about Channel Watson on. He's had, you know, he's lost a... DP World Tour uh, event in a playoff to Daniel Van Tonda in Kenya. Um, he's just had all those wins in Asia already. Like you say, he's comfortable in Japan. I like him a lot. So that's mm-hmm. everything we want uh, from Jazz Jan Watson. And Jace, after all that spill on Jazz Jan Watson, you are on the guy directly below him uh, on the odds board in Masahiro Kawamura. Yeah, Kawamura never wins, does he? Um but he's got the right sort of form that I'm looking for. And he comes here uh, in quite obvious form, uh, the 17th in India, and then the uh, runner-up to Jorge Campio in Kenya, who we were fortunate enough to be on. Um, And who, in fact, I think you could look at here if he um, hadn't won last time. For some reason, we have that. Really weird, isn't it? Because if you're a horse or a 
greyhound or a tennis player or anything else, you go, oh, he's in form. He's won last time. He must have a chance this time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when you're a golfer, you go, you go, oh no, 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 definitely can't win. Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, you know, we've known Kawamura for quite a while now. Um, I think he went over lockdown, didn't he? Lockdown. He had numerous top tens, all in the right places, as far as I'm concerned. Trophies, Zan, Mauritius, Valderrama, etc. Um, he's had one outing here in 2015, which is, you know, it doesn't really matter to be honest. 77 was awful first round, obviously around here. Um, he's far more accurate now uh, with the majority of his play. Um, that was obviously the KH Lee and the Ashen Wu thing, which I'm, for some reason I'm still interested in. Even that was eight years ago. <laughs> Probably broadcasting black and white, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> I know driving accuracy isn't entirely um, the be and all, be all and end all round here. Uh, but I like the fact that he can pick his spots. And by doing that, hopefully his irons then come into play. I know they haven't been extraordinarily brilliant. Um, but he's played harder tracks. And I think he's, he's got form, certainly over the last couple of years, numerous top tens that going back home, um, where he's got, again, I think he's got one win, hasn't he? Yeah. Um, back in, you know, 1936 or something. <laughs> Came over here. I think it was the Valderrama effort. Uh, I think he was seventh in Valderrama a couple of years ago. That really caught the eye. And he's, to be honest, he's been very, very consistent ever since. And we're talking about, you know, the PGA Tour. I know this is obviously a different level. Um, about how people are getting there, but they're not falling over the line. Kevin um, Mura, to me, is coming here. I, I can certainly see him top tenning. Um, and at the price, um, 41, 45, well, oh, 60. 60 now, yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's great value. I think that also leads to nice prices at top 10s and top 20s. He loves it round here. He goes back home. He's going to be, you know, over the moon doing it. Why not? I thought, yeah. thought it was a decent price. Is he, is he another, the, you mentioned the, uh, the PJ Tour, is he another song, JM, that just doesn't quite get there and sort of never takes that step forward? It's, I don't know that's a bit harsh because he's he's been you know there a couple I think, of times. I actually don't. I think, I think there's numerous um, European Tour players that we can level that accusation at, to be perfectly honest with you. We leveled it at Jordan Smith for numerous years and you probably still can, yeah. you know, um, et cetera, et cetera. But going back home, I think you'll find a couple of shots. Um, and as I say, coming off a, coming off a, a extremely decent couple of events. Um, why not? Just thought, yeah. I, I, for me, I thought 40 or one was, was, was a reasonable price. So to be able to get 50 and 60 is, um, I think is, He's given us a big chance at big value. He's a bit like, I tell you, he's a bit like Jeff Winter. That's who, that's who. He's pop, up, in that pop up and have a career, pop up and have a career win. Yeah, pop up, get placed at the right tracks. Uh, fortunate we were on when Jeff Winter won. Yeah. One and only ever win, I think, on the big. See Karamura doing exactly the same here, to be honest with you. He doesn't need it long, can't cope when it's particularly long. He's a hell of a shot maker there. I think he's got form at the right gaff, so yeah, he'll do. I like it. Uh, Brad, give us your final pick, Aguri Iwasaki. Yes, Aguri Iwasaki. Yeah, he had another young, upcoming Japanese player um, who was really impressive last year in his first season on the Japanese men's tour. He was playing the development tour before that. So in 24 starts last year, he finished runner-up three times, third once, and six further top tens. Um, similar to Hishino, um, he got a few opportunities at the start of the year on the DP World Tour. I was quite surprised 
to see that personally, but I thought it was great. Um, he made two cuts from four. Uh, he, he struggled to make an impact, basically. But again, I think he'll take a lot away from that experience. Um, he recaptured a bit of form in Japan last time out at the Token Homemade Cup. He closed with a round of 64, finished tied 18th. Um, and another massive positive is that one of his three runner-ups um, last year came at this course. Uh, he finished runner-up to Hoshino, which included um, a round of 63. Um, he ranked second in birdie or better average last year on the Japanese tour. So I think he looks a lively long shot this week. I'm not sure what he's at now. Um, you can get, yeah, I think 100 to 1. Yeah, you yeah. can get 100 to 1. You could even... Yeah, eight places, Boyle. That's that's fine. That's that's great. That's great by me. There you go. Yeah, it was like another just a conveyor belt of really good Japanese golfers that could make the step up. And like you say at the start of the show, it's uh, a real big opportunity to see if they can then make the step up to the DP World Tour and and potentially bigger than that. So uh, excited to see what he does. Uh, true boom and bust play. Jason final one to round us out um, at the ISPS Hander Championship. Sebastian Soderberg that's missed four cuts this season, but when he's made the cut, he's finished second and ninth. Well, I think that's that's you've, you've covered it there. To be <laughs> honest with you. I mean, you, you've put up Soderberg a few times. I think we all have probably. Yeah. And it was it was purely a price based selection. Um, if this does go to sort of twenty twenty four under, um, when he's right, his iron play is, is stunning. Um, I think we saw it at the British Masters. Oh, there was that. Um, yeah, I've just found it. It was the uh, Spanish Open and then Mallorca, where he was just just hitting the ball just fantastically well. Yeah. Um, th- th- I mean, it's a shame that he hasn't played since uh, that top 10 last time in South Africa, because uh, I think when he is on a little bit of a run, he can keep it going. Holds it, um, yeah. it is a pure mm-hmm. and utter price-based uh, decision, uh, and obviously based on the fact that um, I hopefully he can get placed because but you know, he never bloody wins anyway. But when he does, he wins at Crans. And I, I, for reasons I've stated before, actually don't think that's a bad pointer. Um, it, it seems a million miles away from Japan. <laughs> um, but I think it's there. I, I have to go back to the players that I know. Um, you know, I bow down to Brad's better knowledge of, of the Japanese players. Um, but I bow down to that that KH Lee Wu type event, um, looking at the course, etc. Um, you know, if we're going to fancy the likes of Christian, oh, yeah, I know we don't fancy him price-wise, but if you're going to say that Christian Bezwinder Howe has got a, pro- a tight chance here, the likes of Campio to me have got a chance here, um, then I think Soderberg fits in right there. Um, now, whether he shoots 63 and then 78 is fine, but 101 or whatever he is, uh, I'm quite happy to take the chance at that sort of price. I think I think the thing that always keeps me coming back to Soderbergh, and I didn't necessarily get to him this week, but mainly because I was probably focusing on the home contingent a bit too much. But like you look at it, his, his only win comes at Crowns, like you mentioned. He beats Rory McIlroy and Cali Savoya that week uh, in the playoff. When he was on the Challenge Tour, he beat Romain Langasque by three strokes in Kenya. Uh, maybe another sort of one of those courses that, that builds into what you like. Um, second place finish behind Matt Fitzpatrick with Mimouli at um, Valderrama. Then he comes the following week, like you mentioned, these two weeks here behind Jeff Windsor and Mallorca. And then again, you go back to just last year and he's second behind Theorbjörn Ross and the British Masters. It seems to be that when he rises to the occasion, it's it's with the very best that could have played with in that, in that field, really. And I just think it speaks to kind of his talent and ability and 
as we've seen with his volatility this season, he's the type of player that can that can do anything. So yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I think a Swede winning in Japan is going to be um, <laughs> going to be and of that quality is going to be a you know. But you might back in the day if you just said Henrik Stenson or something, fair enough. But yeah. I think it's going to be pushing it a bit. But I just think you know if I want to run, um, then, then I think the price and and you've mentioned the courses. If they fall it fall away and mean absolutely nothing, then I'm a bit stuffed this week. But I think I think the thing is you you have to take a line of some description. I've gone with a line of taking the players that have not just the Japanese players, but just players that have been recently running Jenna Watanond and Eager and and Ashino. And I've gone with Yannick Paul in the sense that the last time we saw him was you know two second place finishes in the 34th. I've gone with that line. You've gone with a course angle. Brad's gone a little bit kind of home contingent as well. Um, You have to take some sort of line, and when it's an event. Where truly, I think no matter what case people make, as long as it is a case, I think you you kind of have to listen to it, and you know there's there's plenty of people to listen and read to out there. You kind of got to go with the one that makes the most sense to you because it's all like every week is a bit of a guess, but when it's been this time off and and the first time it's in this course at this level, it's a it's certainly another development than that. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm um, I'm happy to go with what we've got. Go on, it's a long term thing, isn't it? You know, it's, it's like. I know you're only as good as your last winner, but it's a long-term thing, and and we've all done done well over the last couple of years. And just occasionally, you know, an event comes up, and you, you take a line, and, and it may not be this week, it may be the next week. You know, um, yeah, you've got to have a different, you've got to have a different way of thinking to everybody else. Otherwise, you know, we'd all be back in the same thing. Yeah, absolutely agree. Let's go on to the most exciting event of the season, the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. Um, Patrick Cantley and Xander Schofflade are tens of three favourites. Uh, Max Homer and Morikawa, or Horikawa, whatever it was that they called themselves. It wasn't Horikawa, was it? Because that's actually a player on uh, in the field next week. But um, no, whatever they called themselves on the back of their baseball jerseys. You've got Sung Jim and uh, Keith Mitchell, which is really nice, but no idea how that gets together pairing at 11 to 1. Uh, Tom Kim and Siwoo Kim at 14 to 1. And then Sam Burns and Billy Horshaw at twenty to one. Jason, Sam Burns and Billy Horshaw, favourite bet of the week for you by the sounds of it. Oh, oh by absolute miles. Yeah, I, I don't know what you want. I can only think. I mean, Labrooks go eleven to one, um, which I think is far more the right price. Yeah. Um, I don't know what you want. I can only assume that this is based on Billy Horshaw's recent form because I can't, mm-hmm. don't understand. How, how a, you know, a player that's won here in the singles, has won here as a pair, has been uh, fourth and second or second and fourth for the last two years alongside Sam Burns, who is one of the best Bermuda putters in the world um, and who comes off a match play win, a 15th of the Masters. Um, uh, sorry, um, uh, 15th at uh, Heritage last week. Yeah. Um, I, I don't get it. I do not understand the price. There's a lot of rubbish here. Um, a lot of terrible partnerships. I know you you're going to pick up one that you like. Yeah, I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to tell you a horrible partnership in a minute. So uh, I, I I don't get it. I, I I don't understand the price. Um, yeah, yeah, like I say, um, Sam Burns, um, perfectly, say gets on really really well with his partners. It's not as if they've chopped and changed like an awful lot of these have year by year. Uh, they've been fourth and second. Uh, they've had sixty uh, around sixty threes, sixty twos between them. Um, Steve Rawlings of Betfair makes a fantastic point about the relationship between match play contenders 
yeah. and this event. Um, you know, read that because he, he he does make a really good point. And if that's the case, you've obviously got, you know, the man that beat Scotty Scheffler and then and then murdered um, uh, Cameron uh, Young in the final yeah. and the match play. Um, and a former winner. It didn't surprise me that he dropped away in the Masters, but still, a top 30. He was up there after round one. Played really well. Finishes last week on 65. Pete Dye course. I'm really, really struggling to see how the hell they're 22 to 1 or whatever they are. I, I don't get it. Um, Billy Horshaw, bit of, you know, bit controversial. He's gone slightly mad, hasn't he? Um, starts shouting at the crowd, starts answering back, starts doing all this. Uh, that's that's soon after he's got a bit um, vocal against the Live Tour. Um, but I think that getting back to this tournament where the focus isn't entirely on him as an individual um, and he's got back up with, obviously, he's playing partner that he gets on with. Um, and also the, the fact that it's more of a fun in inverted commas, team event. Um, yeah, yeah I, I, I look, I'm, I'm just struggling. His average score for the last 50 events on Bermuda is, is 69. Um, he's got a form at Bay Hill, East Lake, Phoenix, uh, Sam Burns. All his four last wins are on Bermuda. But what? I, I don't get. I don't get it. That's it. I think it's a cracking bet. And I think even even with the lack of current form. To an extent, with Billy Horshaw, we've mentioned all the stuff about the match play, and completely agree with that point. Horshaw's a former winner of that, and the last event where he's played well, he tied with Mitchell, beat Ricky uh, Ricky Fowler three and two, beat John Rahm five and four at a match play. Another Pete Dye design. Like he was probably just unfortunate to run into Cameron Young, who was absolutely blistering through the field at that point. Um, to me, yeah, I, I was on the Horshaw when he won this with uh, Scott Piercy, wasn't it? Uh, and my sort of reckoning that week was that he'll make the putts that Scott Piercy can't. Um, don't necessarily think either one of them pick each other up in. I think they're both just quite nicely balanced, actually. Both kind of spur off one another. Um, but I do like the Sam Burns, Billy Horshaw pick there. Um, Brad, I'll let you come on to the next one. Jason also agrees with this, but it's Justin Sir and Sahith Vergala at 25 to 1. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, two Cali boys, upcoming golfers make a hell of a lot of birdies um Tagala's flying at the moment Justin Sarr is uh didn't play too well last time out he been closed with 78 at the RBC Heritage but same time he's he's coming off a good result at the players not so long back so yeah they're both playing well I like them both together as a as a pair I think they're both gonna um yeah be a good uh have good chemistry which I think is important um and yeah, I think they'll make a hell of a lot of birdies, and that's what you need around here. So, yeah, easy selection for me, those two at the top. The price is fine. My slight concern with the pair of them was who was going to be the one that stepped forward with the putter, but I think it will be Tagala. Like, I think I think he has got it. Uh, one thing I did note, I, I tried to find some trends um, in every event, and this was you know pretty hard in an event where it's only sort of five renewals hold with the pairing format and it's also how do you quantify all of it but the two things that I picked up were at least one of one player from every winning pair has been 50th or better in strokes game putting by the end of the season and four of those five times they were 28th or better and four of the last four of the last five winning pairs were made up of two players who had won on the PJ Tour before so it was only Cameron Smith in 2017 when he won with Jonas Blix that hadn't won on the PJ Tour. And all the other players have won at least two times before that. Um, so that was my only negative. Mm-hmm. But 
that would rule out my next my my two selections. So it's it's you know it's absolutely pointless really. Um, but Jace, you agree with Justin Sir and Seth Agada as well? I'm only going to have one bit in the end. Um, you are only going to have Yeah. Yeah, I wanted to go. I'm not going to knock Justin Sir, but I, I wanted to go with someone else, and I would have taken shorter, much shorter. Um, I, I think he's brilliant. Uh, he, he's he's brave. He's attacking. He's he's fantastic attitude. Uh, I just wanted him with somebody else. As, I'm mm. not knocking Justin Sir, but I think you might have to carry him, and uh, that may not be good enough to to actually get his head in front. But I'm Oof. a bit upset because I do want to be with him. Who have we got on the PJ Tour now without a win? Cameron Young and Sahith Fagala are the top two without wins. I guess that's quite obvious, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, Taylor Montgomery, maybe. Yeah. No, nice segue then. Taylor Montgomery and Kurt Kitayama for me. Um, Taylor Montgomery, one, well, he is the best putter in this field. He's one of the best putters in the world. He's third in strokes game putting this season. And despite the fact that Kitayama's the slouch of the two in terms of putting, and he's actually still gaining strokes, he's fine. Montgomery's also fifth in birdie or better percentage. He's definitely one of those volatile, hits the ball far and makes a lot of putts, but ball striking between is not great. Kitty Armour is the better ball striker of the two, but the one thing I liked, and this did come from Steve's uh, better thing, was just the link to the Pete Dye match play event. And Kitty Armour came out of a group by beating Tony Finau four and three and then beat Andrew Putnam six and five in the last 16. Took... The, the red hot Cameron Young all the way to the 18th hole. So to me, Kitty Armour showing form on the right golf course. Uh, Montgomery didn't come out of his group, but he lost uh, to Mackenzie Hughes, who played well that week. Did beat both Jordan Spieth and Shane Lowry, have both been excellent on Pete Dyes in the past. And what I didn't know was quite how close these two were. Two were. So I knew they were both uh, UNLV uh, Las Vegas college teammates, but they actually teamed up in a, uh, in a random event, basically off the strip, where you had like the best putters in the world uh, and Montgomery won a tournament and then they played in a team event and they won that as well. And that basically funded the start of Taylor Montgomery's pro career. So I think there's a bit of a deeper relationship there, Brad, between these two players. Mm-hmm. And now you've got Kitty Armour, who's got that winning experience. I'm sure he'd feel absolutely great to get his, uh, his teammate, if you like, off to a winning start on the PJ Tour as well. I think that there's definitely flaws in Taylor Montgomery's game. I know he's been incredibly consistent since he came on the PJ Tour, but he's very much a, a long hitter and a good putter and not yes. much in between. Yeah, no, his ball striking is, well, I think he can get very wayward with his drives and his, his irons, his short irons, you know. Um, yeah, so it, there is definitely some flaws. But again, I agree with everything you just said, Tom, and uh, I, I do think that's a great pairing. Um, they're going to make loads of birdies because Montgomery's going to fucking put them all in. So, um, yeah, and Kitty Armour's going to put them close. So I, I really do. I do really like that pairing. Again, chemistry, I think it's huge. Um, and, yeah, I really like their chances. I think them, both of them up top, um, yeah, I can see them contending. Look, I, th- I personally think that Cantlay and Shuffle are probably too good. And I think that they'll they'll probably win. Um mm. I think somehow Cantley's actually going to get a bit like what Jason said about Horshaw. Like now the, the spotlight's going to be slightly off him as an individual. It might just benefit him to come out of his mate and just get the job done and win a tournament. I think when you look at the last five renewals of it, the first two were won by outsiders. And then I think these kind of groups have partnered up and wised up and realised they can just 
get an easy tour win if they pair up with one another. And mm-hmm. I think that's, you know, the case there with Cantley, Shoffley and Homer and Morikawa. But, you know, to me, you do have to take them on in, a, in a, an event that is as volatile as this. And, and you know, Kitty and Montgomery for me were the two that I chose to take them on with. Slightly rogue choice here, and I can't believe I, one, typed this up, and two, made sure I justified it as well. But Sam Ryder and Doc Redman are 50-1. to one. They finished third in this event last year, and I had to look to see whether, like, Doc Redman was in, like, the form of his life or something, and I just completely forgot about it. He wasn't. Sam Ryder was in worse form than Redman was, but neither of them were great. You look at Ryder, he's now 105th in the world, which is his highest ever world ranking. Obviously, some of that's to do with the fact that we've lost a lot of people off the world rankings. But the other part of it is he was third at the Texas Open. Uh, That was his third top eight of the season. He led for 54 holes at Torrey Pines, um, leading all the way in an elite field and eventually finishing fourth was fine. 20th in back-to-back designated events at Phoenix and Riviera. Um, 19th and third place finishes since proved that his you know form is not going anywhere. Eighth at the Mike Oberdy in the season, another really strong finish. Second uh, on tour in, in strokes game passing this season. Um, so actually, my point about Montgomery being the best putter uh, in the field is not true because Sam Ryder is. Um, I think Montgomery over a, a large size probably is, but. Yeah, I was just really impressed with how much Sam Ryder's improved from the pairing last year. And then you look at the fact that Redmond has at least shown a little bit of a sign of a 16th at the Valspar recently. I'd just give them a little bit of a squeak, probably just as an each way shout, maybe just sneaking that top five again. Uh, I don't know how they finished third here last year, but they did. And, and I don't see why as a improving player, Sam Ryder this time around, why they couldn't do it again. So that is what I'm going with. Um Brad, you've got one more selection in this event. I, I've got to be honest, like... This is I, a pure vibe pick. Yeah. Pure like, vibe. I struggle with this. My, I was going to back... So, basically, I wanted to back either Nikolai Hoygaard or Thuya Penelson in Japan this week. And the fact that I couldn't meant I should probably just bet them as a pairing here. Um, Nikolai Hoygaard's got his special temporary membership. Olison, uh obviously, would like to be back over here and playing some golf. So, maybe he helps him out. But um, your pick is certainly more... Uh, more vibey and two uh, low scoring very players. Very vibey, yeah. I mean, Sky as well. These are two players that we both, I won't say fanboy because that sounds a bit weird, but yeah, we're both big <laughs> big mm. on uh, Bastia, actually Bastia and um, Harry Hall. Yeah. Um, they're just going to make a lot of birdies. They're going to have a lot of fun. I don't know the relationship um, between them too well. Like, I've, I just. I feel though they've known each other for a while from the Walker Cup days, um, and then obviously from the Corn Ferry Tour. Um, but either way, um, putting these two together is um, a genius idea, and I'm very excited to chance both of them. I, I rate both of them very highly. Um, obviously, Harry Hall is coming off like a, a pretty good result in at the Texas Open. I think he's top 30. Um, Actually, not so much. I think he missed a cut last week, but I think he fired back the second round with a 71. Still not great, of course, but it's there. But he's been making a couple of cuts before that, obviously Texas and the Corollas. So, um, I don't know. It, again, it is mainly down to I could not see these two together and not back them. Um, so, yeah, had to be on. So, I, 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 I've basically taken the stance, unless it's by some water, I'm not really interested for <laughs> But see, uh, have some fun, yeah. Um, uh, he, he seems to play really well. He does play very well by the cut. I, yeah, um, I get that. Yeah. 
but, that, but that's it. Have, I think you've got to have a bit of fun with this event. You know, I mean, you can get serious towards the bottom of the mile, but when it gets, you can, if you have a long shot and you like the look of a pairing, um, they, I don't know. I feel like you just got just got to go for it. And I mean, you can still make a case for them. They both are like birdie makers. Um, they're up there with um, on their birdie averages in the field. So. Yeah, I do think you can make a case for them as well at the price. I mean, eighty to one, hundred to one, it's, it's perfectly fine with me. So I just, yeah, I just want to, I just want to read out some of the, uh, some of the pairings this week. Uh, John Daly and David Duval, Derek Ernst and Robert Garagas, uh, Jeff Ogilvy and Kevin Stadler. Um, I don't know who that is. Collins playing with DJ Trahan. Um, there is. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely got to be one if they, if they offer it. Uh, where's Brian and Grace and Murray? I think that is there is some uh, there's some interesting pairings and it, it it's a wild event. I know the two Ryder Cup play, uh, captains are playing with their vice captains, so Luke Donald's playing with Eduardo Molinari and um, Stricker's playing with Zach Johnson, I believe. Um, but like, yeah, it's just a it's a weird event. It it has if it was supported by the right players, it would actually be quite intriguing. I think. It's just the fact that you get the top two or three that are too good for everybody else, and then you get these randoms like a Sam Ryder and a Doc Redman that finish fifth. Um, mm-hmm. From a from a European contingent, you've got Callum Shinkman playing with Matt Wallace. Could mm-hmm. be a nice story. Um, other than that, obviously Fitzpatrick the, brothers as well. Yeah, so I said to you last week, didn't I? As soon as it was announced that the Fitzpatrick brothers were playing together, I wanted to be on them because I just thought yeah. that. Um, a bit short, don't you? Yeah, well they they were meant to be like fifty to one. So like Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, playing with his brother, of course, it felt a little bit of Brooks Kepka, Chase Kepka vibes. Um, yeah. But I just think after the week they've after just had, the yeah. it's not not going to happen, is it? Um, if it does, then fine. It happens at thirty-three to one maximum price. Um, Jace, any other sort of pairings you looked at, or you, did you spend too much time looking at it with Burns and Horsham? No, I, 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 to be honest, it was. I'm just amazed. I'm just amazed at the price. Mm. Um, I, I think. You know, there's some fantastic pairings. Home is interesting if if Monaco doesn't have to put out. Mm. Um, that could go anywhere, but it not it is what it is. I didn't really have any particular interest. Um, and and like I say, as I looked down the field and thought, oh, that pairing, that pairing, I'm not convinced. And I I just I say you know, I say the same thing again. I couldn't believe that these two were that, but I don't understand why they're not half the price they are. Um, I'll, I'll obviously buy a Sunday. I will know why they're not half. The <laughs> yeah. Now. Um, but you've got, you know, I like team events, so don't mind them. But there's there's a better one coming. I think um, the QBE is replaced by a mixed tournament now, isn't it? Yeah. Um, uh, and I think that's far more interesting, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, I'm not bothered. I probably won't watch this. I don't want to watch Billy Horshaw, as you know. Um, but that doesn't mean I don't want to make money off him. So. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Right, let's summarise our picks then, gents. It's, uh, it's been a decent, decently long chat on a couple of events that um, didn't think that. we, yeah, didn't think we talked so much about. So um, let's go to the ISPS Hamda Championship then. I will summarise first. So I'm going with Rikoya Hishino at 25 to one, Yannick Paul at 30 to one, Kazuki Higa uh, 50 to one, six places, Jazz Jenner Watanond at uh, 50 to one, six places. Uh, as well, Brad, your picks for us in the ISPS hander, please. Yep, I've got gone with Hashino, uh, 25 to 1. Um, you get Skybet six places, thinks best price, and then I've gone uh, Keita Nakajima, 
Uh, I think 40 to 1, best price you can get with Sky Bet, six places. And the last one I've gone with, Aguri Iwasaki. Um, I think 101, eight places with Ball Sports is the best price. Yep, like it. Jace, your picks for us in the ISPS hander, please. Uh, yeah, three up for um, Ashinu, whatever you can get at the moment. Uh, Antoine Vosda, um, Karamura, and something on uh, Soderberg, but it'll probably be top 20 or something yep. like that. Like that. Let's go over to the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. I am going um, with Kurt Kitiara and Taylor Montgomery at 25 to 1. And then for my sins, I'm going with Doc Redman and Sam Ryder at uh, 50 to 1 as well. Brad, your picks for the Zurich Classic? I'm just in Sar Tagala, uh, 25 to 1. Paddy Power, six places. Uh, then I've gone like with yourself, Kitiara and Montgomery. 25 to 1, six places uh, available, Unibet and Betfred. And then I've gone for actually Batia and uh, Harry Hall at 80 to oh, uh, yeah, 80 to 1's best price, six places, Paddy Power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think there is, I think there's a hundred to one on the uh, Yeah, on I see that's spread edged. Spread edged. Ah, yeah, spread edged. Yeah, wasn't used, there we go. No, don't use spread Um Jason, just one and done. Yeah, I'm very one. confident you get paid out something on Burns and Horshaw. Yeah, 21, six places each way. Uh, looks like some money there. Gents, thank you very much, Ever. Programming note, we probably will not have a podcast next week. I am in Edinburgh and I don't fancy lugging around podcast equipment to do the show. Um, we might put out some picks on Twitter. Obviously, Brad will have his picks on uh, Patreon anyway. Um, so, yeah, just keep an eye out for some news. Maybe do a, I might do just a quick... Uh, 20 minute solo podcast or something just to keep us going but um yeah we won't the three of us won't be together next week for a show and then we should be back together the following week but that is the the korean event that we were talking about and the world's fargo next week where we should see the return of rory McIlroy, i suspect so um lots to look forward to next week gents thank you as ever um not sure what sort of timings we've got for for starting the japanese event this week what time you have to get up to actually see any of it but that was like probably like midnight, 1am, I reckon. Yeah, um, and then you've got, time. you've got your Zurich Classic, which, you know, whether that's a viewing event for you or not, uh, depends on what sort of your interests are. So um, anyway, that's it for the golf this week. And we'll catch you all again in a fortnight's time. Mm-hmm.